welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. This podcast is going to kind of be a specialty podcast, but one I think is long overdue. I've been envious of the Western hunters and their hunting rigs for years. Actually, back till, well, the first time I experienced a really cool Western hunting rig was actually out here in Arizona with my buddy Dave Stepp. He had a really cool fifth wheel that he pulled into elk camp, and I had never seen anything like that you know being from the midwest um my my experience was either a pop-up camper or like a 20 dollar tent from walmart (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, how we started yeah so um obviously andy got a really cool um toy hauler i guess it was a year ago now from you guys and that thing was so awesome that I just finally got to the point where I'm like, some of these trips out west and more importantly coming up the Total Archery Challenge Tour that we're going to do, we just really needed to have the right outfit to house the whole crew that's coming out. And some of the things that we have planned for this next year is going to be really big for ourselves and our followers to be able to kind of, I don't know, have like a have a camp hangout so to speak so um i I had to go with you guys i'm down here in mesa arizona and i'm at is it really or rally rally i say rally i'm not sure why it sounds more like more awesome more bear like but (laughs) so rolly white rv and they helped me build I didn't really get to see it until now. We kind of did our first dealings through FaceTime, or I don't know if you sent me videos, but we kind of talked through um, what Andy had got and then talked through what I needed, which was a taller shower um, than Andy. And you guys, man, you knocked it out of the park. This thing is unreal, and campers have come a long, long way since my walmart tent and the pop-up <laughs> camper that you could rent the 10 by 10 pop-up camper but you guys now that i've been here and seen your operation i realize what all the hype's about and from what you're telling me you guys have a lot to offer people that are looking to get these setups from a savings point of view and then also your ability to to customize can i talk about the trigger thing yet did you guys yeah get you that? can talk about it it's all good <laughs> for sure it's so funny looking at you you're like yeah and <laughs> well you're, you're like absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. talk about it so these guys patented um a swing arm that mounts on the back of a toy hauler that allows you to mount a traeger on there and then virtually have it tuck up tight against the drop down and then swing it out for you know our full cooking pleasure which in one week this ride is going to be at the total archery challenge cooking for a lot of the knock on nation and man 
this thing is awesome, but I kind of thought it'd be cool. You guys didn't know you'd be on a, po- a podcast, so I'll let you introduce yourselves. And then I kind of want to talk a little bit about your backgrounds because it's funny how that how you guys both got into this. And then, you know, I don't know yet if you do you shoot. You do I search? don't know. Brock, Brock got me a bow, but okay. it's just kind of like I got him a dirt bike. Some <laughs> of those things like. But Brock, Brock's hunted with Andy some. For those of you listening, you know Andy Stumpf. Brock's hunted with Andy some. Uh, Brock's really getting into learning more about archery, doing some of the school and knock stuff, some of the online stuff. And, you know, Andy really thought if I was going to get a trailer, I had to go with you guys. And then now I'm like, okay, this is for certain. And based on what you're telling me, I really feel like you can – well, one, I feel like you can offer a ridiculous deal for listeners. Um, but more importantly, I think, Brock, with your background, you have a really good understanding of what people need to adapt to our type of shooting style. Because every time I've talked about a certain hunt, you're like, oh, dude, we've got this one. It'd be perfect for that. Or when you go there, this is what you need. I mean, you are a salesman. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's pretty awesome. So I'll let you guys talk a little bit about your background and then how you got into this and then both of you are really passionate about getting into the outdoor community and in you know into the hunting community as well so i thought it'd be cool to talk about some of the features especially for those of you who are from the midwest like me um i didn't realize there's a difference between like east coast toy haulers and west coast toy haulers which is one of the reasons why I decided to come out here, um, mainly because you guys have adapted to, I guess the West Coast type builders have adapted to fit the side by sides. Yeah. Um, because out here, is this how close are the dunes to here? About four hours. Or okay. So. Yeah, because I remember my buddy Dave always went out to the dunes with his rigs too. Um, so obviously these things are kind of altered a little bit for those to fit in, then be able to back them out of here and then have a full mobile camp. So who wants to go first? Well, I'll go first because I'll lead you guys into what you're doing. (laughs) So for a long time, we've focused on exactly that, the dunes, side by sides. I'm a dirt bike guy. I'm kind of, we're, I'm Brad, by the way. <laughs> they just gave me a, say your name. But anyway, yeah. so we've put a lot of focus on that. And Brock's passion's always been in hunting, and that's what he does. He comes and does and all the things that we do, um, but he's really passionate about hunting, and he's really passionate about what you guys do and, and all of these things. So we're really excited to start getting into that yep. portion of it we've spent the last 10 years pounding away at what we currently do in the off-road community in in all that kind of blends at some point right yeah so i think it really does it it does most of our you know we go with dooners all time but they're hunters they're outdoor people are outdoor people right and somewhere we all kind of blend together and we all come together so this is a really exciting project because for me it's totally new i'm not a hunter i'm not the only exposure I have to it is what Brock has exposed me to, which is awesome. Yeah. And again, awesome, like-kinded people, same yeah. same type of deal. So I'm pretty excited to see where this takes us and just the opportunity to meet new people and this whole new community, which he's been a part of for years. So 
Yep. I'm excited to get into that. We need to get you on a dirt bike hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Put the bow on my bike. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? It blends together. Yeah. Yeah. So two different, how I got my start in TV actually was a DVD series that I did with one of my buddies from Utah. Um, we both were really into doing this sort of thing. He actually had a toy hauler. I didn't, I would just go out there and meet him. Um, but they would, you know, leave Ogden, Utah and, you know, go up to Idaho or, you know, go up into Montana or Wyoming and they'd pull their haulers up. Um, they had a couple WRs and for quite a while they focused on areas where they could use single track access. So we actually did an elk hunt up in Idaho, um, did a full elk hunt on WRs. No way. Um, and it was pretty cool cause you could, you know, put 20 or 30 minutes in on a WR from base camp and then hit a trailhead and then, you know, put another several hours in on a, on a trailhead and be into some really cool stuff. And then he actually drew, um, a goat tag in, um, right in Ogden. And so we did a hunt at like, you know, right about 10,000 feet on WRs on single track, super sketchy, sketchy routes you would just become best friends yeah exactly (laughs) see see how it happens um but yeah they you know it's such a lifestyle out out this way like this is part of what people really do with their families on the weekends and i'm to the point now where i'm starting to feel like you know i maybe missed out on taking advantage of you know keying in on certain areas where that was a lot more common and i know a lot of the very passionate elk hunters from the hunting community guys like randy ulmer guys like dan evans mike slinker all these guys have unreal camper setups to where they'll go into a certain state set up and then literally use that as like kind of their base location for the state depending on how easy it is for them to access that and especially now with these being able to drop them down taking a secondary vehicle out um i'm i'm pretty sure my wrangler would fit in here <laughs> yeah probably fit in here it's possible yeah i mean it could but um i have to reinforce the back door but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i just um i don't know i think people i think especially with the big diy movement right now i mean there's like this huge movement to public land DIY, um, my buddy Sam Solholt like bought an old school bus and rebuilt it. So he just travels around, sets this up, and goes. But this is something that you can utilize during the off season, off season as well for the family. Like I'm really looking forward to these total archery challenges because I'm going to set up in one spot, drive to the next spot, and then kind of take a cool tour through a lot of parts of the western u.s that i never have got to see because i've always just been flying or in my truck with just gear in the truck and going so this like brings a whole new element to it yeah where did you get started brock i got started from i was uh bought a toy hauler for myself and the only way i could keep something is if i because i was in the world of selling everything i owned if yeah, someone let's, let's actually, I'm going to pull one of Andy's little things where you say, let's go back <laughs> yet further. Because I asked you how you got into all this, and it started out with you trying to 
flip cars. Yeah, I was you were, cars. Were, were you in high school or college? I just got home off a church mission. Okay. And my buddy was flipping cars and making money at it. I was like, and he gets every week he had a new car. And I was like, man, I want to do that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> Have a new car every week and sell it, make money, do it again. So I did it so I could make money going through college. And then it turned into something where I was ready to graduate college. And my, everyone's asking me, where, what law school are you going to go to? And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to law school. I think I'm going <laughs> to sell cars. Love You're going to be a used car salesman over a lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> no one believed me, man. They're like, I love those stories. My mom's like, hey, so when are you going to law school? I don't think I'm going. Whatever. You're going to be a used car salesman? Yep. Mom, need a car? Yeah, need yeah. a car, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> I just got this Pinto, low miles. Low miles, sob. Old guy. Yeah. <laughs> low miles, sob. Garage low miles, sob. <laughs> old man it. had it. Garage cap. Garage cap. Wash it once a week. Always change the oil. Mm-hmm. The sucker spot. <laughs> you guys are laughing. Yeah. You're like, that's, that's We're true. laughing because that's why we got out of cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was renting a trailer. So I bought a toy auger because I wanted it for hunting yep. and all the fun stuff. And I was like, the only way I can keep this is if I rent it out. So oh. I, I rented the toy hauler out. I had two toy haulers and I had to rent them out. And then I had a trailer whenever I needed it. And my buddy came and asked, hey, why don't we try selling some trailers? I was like, I already know where the auctions are. I, got, I rent them. So yeah, it'll be easy. Let's go over here and just try it out. So we... We first started, we had like trailers like in every back parent's backyard, his his parents' backyard, everywhere, just scattered. Jeez. And all day long we would just travel showing trailers from different location, different location. So we're like, mm-hmm. we need to buy a lot and actually make this legit. So we bought this lot, our first lot, the Mesa lot. And um, since then we've grown to four lots now and we don't want to stop we just want to keep going so. i didn't know that i didn't know you had multiple lots yeah I we mean, have not that i've seen much i came i came down here for a series of podcasts and i really wanted to come see this before you like revealed it in salt lake because me sharon and harry we've been chomping at the bit to to have our first camper so to speak and I don't even know if you can. Uh, this is glamping, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, is this the definition of glamping? This well, the can, key do they call them like I don't? I need to learn the lingo, people. I don't yeah. know, but do, I mean, do you call, do you tell people that. you have a camper, or do you tell people you have a toy hauler, or do you say you have mm. toy hauler? Toy hauler is the cool term. Kind of, yeah, toy hauler. That's RV. what all my buddies called yeah, it. They're like, we're gonna take up. the hauler up. Yeah. Lump I'm like, what's that? But once you come in them, it's like even well, when we get some in, I'm like. I'd like to have that in my house. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I would I would have loved for my first apartment to be like I mean, imagine that when you're right. in high school and you got your first own place if it was like I mean, and this isn't what is this, twelve feet long what we're in right now? Like twelve feet by like in that ballpark, eight sure. or nine feet wide, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah. I would have been totally down with this batching it. Oh right. yeah, <laughs> right. This is way nicer than first Yeah, for wife, sure. Hey, maybe we should buy a motorhome and live in an RV park. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, You're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Some people do. Oh. My I'll buddy, my buddy Matt Newton. Um, have you seen Matt Newton on social media, Brock? 
probably recognize his name. Uh, He does welding in the oil industry. So they're on different sites all the time. So his, I think his main home is in um, Oklahoma, but he's just got this really big hauler and he's got his truck and it's like, it's literally, I think it's probably more his home than his actual home. Mm. You know, he takes it to different spots, sets up. And I think a lot of the people in the oil industry are going to these mobile home parks setting up and it's like, communities i've been i actually stayed um with a friend in one actually and it was in texas i went down to do a hunt and then he kind of said we're going to stay at my you know at my camper and we went in there and it was it was almost like a neighborhood everyone knew one another in there and it was you know it was like a whole community within itself i don't want that where i hunt no, no, no. <laughs> like, I don't mind not seeing another. You're not going to tell everybody where you're going? Well, no, Ro- Joe Rogan <laughs> said that um, it's mean not to if it's public land. That well, I think, <laughs> hey, listen, I have to disagree with Joe. On I that. disagree. I, I love Joe. I but yeah, I told him. I said, I'm going to agree to disagree respectfully on this one. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's, if it's my spot. You don't want the whole world to know. If it's a spot you found. And you've put work in. Yeah, it's it's fun to have your own spot. Oh, now, I agree. It's hard to come by. And but I definitely think it's up to you if you take someone there to say, okay, we're going to my hot spot. Like, you're not coming back here unless you're with me, right? And yeah. If, and then then if they break that, then they broke the code. Yeah, I think so. But I definitely think there's room for a code up front. Right. Yeah, for sure. Is that the, the truth? Stuff I'm learning right if here. You, yeah, if you found a cool dirt bike trail, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or like so only you knew how to oh, get it's to probably it, a little different, right? Because the trail doesn't <laughs> go away once it's <laughs> shot. The problem. <laughs> if you go on the trail and there's like 50 dirt bikes on it, and it's crowding up the trail, you're like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. Did you yeah. compete? Uh, a little bit. Nothing crazy. Just we do local stuff here, and then we just recently went down to the Baja 500 and raced that. So okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did your family get you into hunting, Brock? Yeah, my grand, my grandpa, and mine too. Yeah, he uh, he was a big hunter. He's a houndsman, so he had dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he? Did they run cats or anything back then? Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah. Here in Arizona. Yeah. Really. A ton of cats and. When was that? Like, when do you remember the first ones? Oh, like seventies, eighties. I know he was big in the seventies and eighties, and then. God, um, that would be cool. My grand grandma passed away, and she passed away. He kind of let the dogs go. No camo. He no. was like straight up flannel, like blue jeans and flannel shirt. Oh, yeah, this oh, guy's yeah. a cowboy. Just sweating his nuts off. Yep. Oh yeah, they they would. He would tell me that they would go until they couldn't go anymore. Wherever they stopped, they'd just sleep on the ground. And then first light, they'd start going again. It's so. fun to do that. Yeah. I mean, there's times where I really like to do that. But oh, that'd be cool. There's uh. There's times where I'm going to like being in here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Like last year. Um, and where I go in Alberta, which, Brock, you're going to come up this year. You, oh. you decided to go. We're going up to Red Willow Outfitters. Um, they have an amazing lodge. They've got an amazing camp. It's like eight bedrooms or whatever it is, huge kitchen, oh. cook. But I've always liked got in the camper and just left. <laughs> oh. And and I go out and kind of 
I can't say I do it on my own because I have um, my two longtime friends from Canada. They're both with me who are guides um, for Todd. But we we actually camp. You know, we go up and camp. So, you know, you may want to do that. You may yeah. You may want to just pop in during the day and be like, hey, dudes, it's pretty pretty nice in the bed last night in the warm shower (laughs) (laughs) but uh last year it rained on us a lot a lot and the camper was like i would say the camper resembled a 30 foot football girdle after the end of three days three days (laughs) (laughs) sounds awesome (laughs) yeah see you don't know what you're missing i I don't know you guys doing the dirt love hunting (laughs) i don't know what you do in the dirt bike world but five dudes with uh with rain gear saturated just every single day and canada was known for like their their gumbo mud it's like the mud that just keeps building on itself just building and building and building and it was i don't know it was fun but honestly when you when you get something in those conditions it it's way it's better be- it makes it better yeah you never it, forget about it yeah it really does i mean i bet you if you talk to if you talk to your grandpa about some of the hunts that he did back then it would probably the ones that would stand out would probably be the ones that were like where they did that they went days and days slept on the ground or then it'd be the ones that they remembered where there was like zero effort where they're like yeah we pulled up to this one spot and there's just one standing there looking <laughs> at us we never even got out of the you know never even had to get the dogs out like it seems like those polar opposites stick out so that's full Thanks circle sure. back to us being in this thing yeah. this is yeah. this is glorious but what uh what do you guys feel like you can bring to the table for the hunting community i i feel like it'll be similar to what we bring to the table for the off-road community for all of our customers really yeah we're just a no haggle no fees no extra crap just hey here's the best that we can do for you and where we really try to shine is in the service side of things Um, yep you have an awesome team by the way i haven't told you guys that but i've walked around and talked to probably six eight guys now yeah and it's, your guys are super courteous and polite they're just super it's solid not guys it's and not common to go to businesses customers and see tell that us at all time and, and that's a huge testament to Rolly white in general is, yeah. is our guys they're just awesome like we, we just we don't push we don't we're not the typical sales place we're not going to give you a hard time about buying we're purchasing now if you it's next year or whatever like fine we just want to be here to help you figure out what you need and want and if we have that great if we don't that's fine too you know there's tons of stuff out there so so do you carry a lot of different brands we do yeah i put all my i, I literally put all my trust in brock because andy yeah. just told me he's like i just told him to get me what i needed and you guys you deliver anywhere for i mean honestly you like a buck 80 a mile yeah, I'm not somewhere sure the exact cost, but it's it's somewhere in that ballpark. It's pretty reasonable. I mean, honestly, By the time we save you the money on the actual trailer and then you add the delivery, you're still saving money. So yeah. we can get it to you. Yeah. What um, typically, you told me that you guys just work off almost a straight margin regardless of kind of where the yeah. where the size of the thing come in. But you're, you guys are a 
a turn and burn place. I mean, if you're a if you're a price shopper, which I am, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where I think most people when they have their own business, they like don't <laughs> they don't want to like, to give awesome deals, but they want to like finagle an awesome deal. You were straightforward. You're like, "Hey man, we just we cut our price down to where we're not spending time trying to sell a guy. We're just giving you this is our price. Is it yeah. pretty rare people beat it? Um, it happens, you know, and and we'll be the first one to tell you. Like, <laughs> that's I've told several people like, oh, that they're giving you a really good deal. You should probably buy theirs. But yeah. what do you get from them? Do you get the same service that you're going to get after you buy that from us? So there's a lot of things that come with that yeah. as well going somewhere else because on top of turning and burning we really focus on quality and service and that's where our real focus is is yep. after the sell you know a lot of like this right here where we're sitting here talking we became friends over common things dirt bike this that yeah that's how it is with most of our customers we become friends you yep. become part of our family you know we go camping with a lot of our customers, our customers call us, hey, we're going camping here, like, you guys should come, or <laughs> vice versa, you Yeah. Know, hey, we're going this weekend, whoever wants to come out, come out, we'll be cooking and hanging out, and everybody comes out, and that's a part of how we do things is, and I can't speak for all dealers, but most dealers probably don't want to see their customer again, right? It, but we try to put ourselves out there, and if there's a problem, we're gonna just come face to face okay let's let's solve the problem you know because we're here to help you we want to make sure that you're out using this that's yeah. why you bought it you spent a lot of money it's your hard-earned money and you want to take your family out and ha everybody have a good time it does no good if it's sitting here yeah it does us no good if it's sitting here so yeah well your guys are great like um you had several different guys that specialize in different things one of them walked me around showed me every single feature how to do things you know let me take notes it was pretty awesome i mean yeah. it was worth a plane ticket to come down here to to just see it 100 cool. percent. but um what brands like what's your major brands that you that you carry looking around i i recognize some names but i'm not you know yeah so there there's kind of different right because in our open box stuff we carry the genesis line which is what we're sitting in now and we carry the eclipse line which would be the attitudes and stellars and iconics um forest river but then we carry keystone and they don't do this style they'll do a garage style so okay it kind of wouldn't say we have major brands but all the brands we carry we've kind of either went out and found them because they take care of you as a customer yep. when there's a problem they're easy to work with and so we've kind of weeded out the bad ones that are just there for the sell yeah they're just well not our problem so we want the brands are going to stand behind their product as well stand behind us so that we can stand behind you as the customer so this one must have been made somewhat locally this is made in california so okay. over riverside but close okay. enough for us to where yeah we can go over there are most of them made are quite a few of them made out west then yeah most the uh, brands are the West Coast toy haulers, Eclipse, Genesis, um, they're all made in the West Coast. Uh, there's some Forest River product that's made out here. And then your Indiana product, Keystone, Heartland, all that stuff's made in Indiana. Okay. And then that's where 
the garage model stuff is where you start to get the weird stuff because um, they'll make nine foot garages, 10 foot, 12 foot, which out here does nothing. What do you mean a garage model? Like one that someone can fit <coughs> in their garage? Or? Well, so basically you'll have this portion of the trailer wouldn't hold any of your quads or UTV, and you'll have a wall here Oh, I with see. a separate cargo area. Okay. And they'll call that a garage model. That's the one I've and seen. So it and those are just massive, like, right? And they, yeah, it was beautiful. like a drop-down wall with kind of dead space in the back, yeah. which yeah. is, you know, you told me that, Honestly, that's kind of what I was expecting. This mm. thing is like way ratter than what I than yeah. what I thought. The fact that it, you know, it sets up this this rear portion of the bed goes up. We're sitting on two couches with the table in the middle. Um the big drop down drops down and then has like a pa a patio rail around it, so it's like a it's almost a I mean, it is a patio. I guess yeah. that's what they would yeah, call it. Rear patio. Mm -hmm. Um super efficient. I'm I we talked earlier about how I'm just surprised to see they every single blank space that there was in a wall, they utilized it. You know, it's it's obvious that programming now allows you to see dead space and yeah. like figure out a way to to work um, work away where it's functional for you. Yeah. But this thing seems extremely functional, and it's it's a very practical size i mean it's a large but honestly most of the time when i'm going places i have a crowd you know i have a crowd i'm normally with several hunting buddies um or there or we're going to an event where it's going to be a customer appreciation type thing where there's going to be a lot of people there so i'm i'm really super happy with this what um i guess for pricing and so forth are people better off just calling and asking is there someone specifically that you want um, like yeah, to direct that to really no one specific you can call any of our our places and we all do it the same way at all of our stores it's just really that no haggle thing you know we're gonna try to give you our best deal right up front so do you have um, a landing page like a main landing page i know i went so. to a couple different websites when i was kind of browsing through looking at different it's hard to keep that up to date though, isn't it? Because you put a model on and it's... We we really focus on keeping it up to date because of that. We don't want people to drive all the way out here and then, oh, I came to see that. Oh, sorry, we don't have that. And, yeah. and that's where that gets pitchy, right? Like, like you're like, oh, I'm trying to bring somebody on. We don't... We try to get it off. If they could take a deposit on it or if it's sold, like it gets removed from our website. So our website, we try to keep pretty accurate so it's rollywhite.com so you can go check that out and then we have a toy hauler headquarters facebook thing which they're putting out information all the time and answering questions for people have trouble or concerns or just whatever want to post pictures of them camping or whatever you know so and to spell it you know because obviously us saying it that's probably why i say rally, rally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's r-o-w-l-e-y W I E T E W H I T E W White Yep dot yep. com. <laughs> Don't ask me. It's too hot here. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I got out of the plane, it was a hundred and two, and so as we're driving here, Sharon sends me a text, and it's a screenshot of the Weather Channel app, and it said one oh feels like yeah. one oh eight. So I text back, and I'm like, Yeah, can you believe it? 
And then she just said, it's so hot here. And I look, and that's at home in Iowa. Oh. oh. <laughs> so <laughs> it's possibly hotter at home today than oh. here. Oh, wow. That sucks yeah. for her. <laughs> What's funny is down here they always say, well, it's just a, it's just a dry heat. It is. And there's a difference, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're like swamp heat is definitely swampy, but this is dashboard melting. Uh, you might call it dry heat, but I've like I remember leaving some CDs on my dash down here at an <laughs> archery tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Look like gone. taco shells. <laughs> yeah. By the time I was done. Yep. I've so. I've left some. Uh, I remember I left a pack of gummy bears. In the car, oh and they all melted together. One yeah. like ginormous gummy bear. Yeah. Have you seen that? that? Have you seen that five-pound gummy bear at some stores? No. I took a picture of one. I, I forget where I was, but I took a picture of this gummy worm that was like the size of a freaking oboe. <laughs> I mean, it was so big. And I took a picture, and it, I forget how many grams of sugar it had per serving. Oh. It was a ton. Like, say it was like. Say it was like 50 grams of, sir- of sugar per serving, but it was like 100 servings. There might have been more than that. It might have been like 200 servings in this thing, but it was it was enough to kill a pretty large man, <laughs> yeah. like easily. <laughs> My three-year-old eats them like they're uh, nothing. I used to love them. probably kill oh, me, yeah. like you're saying. Yeah, I used to love – I loved yummy bears. That's oh, one yeah. of the cool things about going to Europe. You get some of the, like, the real gummy bears where they mm. started. Oh. I think they started in S- Switzerland or Austria. Mm. But they're, they're like, fresh. They haven't oh, yeah. got somewhat hard by the time they got over here yet. They're, yeah. like, truly the gummy bears. I remember when I had my first gummy bear as a kid, and then the gummy worms came out after yeah. that, right? But I'm – it's funny we're talking about this because my wife used my truck this week. Uh-huh. And just this morning I got out and I was like, what is that? And I look on the seat and there's a Ziploc bag of gummy worms. They're just stuck together. It's in the <laughs> trash right here. So <laughs> this is cracking me up. They're serving gummy bears on the plane. Oh, really? really? Yeah. There's on, like, the, on the plane here, she came by and she's like, would you like something to eat? And I look in the basket. There's a banana, pretzels, gummy bears, and then something worse than gummy bears but i'm just like do you have any almonds or anything they're like who's this guy what no yeah that's a kind of a weird assortment of banana gummy bears it was very weird yeah it was there might have been like one biscotti biscuit in there but that that was like it so where did you start um how did you guys meet like did you were so we we have grown up in the same area and stuff, but I met Brock through my wife, actually. his, Him, Brock and my wife grew up together okay. in the same area and stuff, and his wife and my wife were really good friends, and then as me and my wife started dating, we started going out to dinner and stuff and talking, and then Brock's one that got me into this, so I started working with him, and we were buying and selling cars, flipping and stuff, and then I started helping him out with his um, toy hauler rentals. Yep. And then from there, we just kind of kept, as he said, he was buying toy haulers, and I would help him fix them up, get them ready, and sell them, and just kind of kept working together from there. Came over here, and we just did the same thing here, and just kept, we've always worked together, and I think we, at the very beginning, had plans of maybe him doing his car lot getting bigger, and me going doing he was really kind of mentoring me 
and I was probably going to go do my own thing and as we got here it just kept compounding and we just it's just been really awesome and like you mentioned the the people around here like I come to work every day with literally my brothers my friends my family like it's it's not like work like you kind of saw today when you got here pizza wings everybody's laughing that's not because you're here that's saturday yeah we're just you know and so we'll go mountain biking together in the morning or you know guys are out everybody hangs out together it's funny because a lot of people in this industry like you guys are it's totally different here because nobody hangs out with each other after work like they'll go like it's just you know you got your private lives and stuff but like we go out to dinner we go like these are my friends this is my family like we actually when i go on vacation i go with the people i work with every day all (laughs) day right like it's not like so it's just funny so it's just that is kind of the glue that's all kept us together and we just kept pushing and trying to go further so brock what what kind of setups do you could you name offhand some setups kind of taking people from like if you were to pick um similar to what i did with barklow with the backpack podcast Mm -hmm. how we kind of talked about three or four things based on applications for like you know a short trip you know like maybe like if you're just turning you heading out i got got you got a birthday party birthday party thanks for everything i'll see you again tonight yep Okay, Brock, so we're gonna thanks, guys. we're gonna Traeger by the way. We're <laughs> Do, you Traeger even Traeger? <laughs> Do you even Traeger, bro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks. Brock, if we were to do that same sort of thing and pick, pick, you know, like kind of a something small that you can travel quick, set up fast, move, maybe get into tighter areas, yeah, um, and then something more kind of in that mid range where you're gonna do. You know, four or five day hunt. You, you know, you might need to go in versus going somewhere where you're gonna have a large party set up, and then you know, yeah. obviously something like this would probably be the latter. And yeah. that's one thing I told you. I said, "This is awesome, but it's not gonna it's not gonna serve every practicality." But definitely for being able to go to these bigger events um, like total archery challenges, and we really want to do. You know, I want to work on getting a tour together next year with uh, the Black Rifle guys and doing some things for some vets. Uh, obviously, that's what this serves a practicality for. But what does the what does the guy that's going to get his first camper? Maybe it's small. He's got him, maybe another guy, and they're kind of darting around out west. Or you know, yeah. what, what's going to be the setup for that? I would say a, like a smaller 20 to 22 foot um, bumper pull toy hauler. Okay. Just because um, entry level pricing, so you don't have to go too deep into it. And just in case you use it and you don't like it, um, you kind of can back out of it pretty easily. Okay. Um, but also this that it's small, you can really get in some areas that are a little bit tighter than you would with this trailer or a bigger trailer. Yep. And even though they're smaller, they still are able to hold like a razor, four seat razor or four seat general. But um, they have a bedroom up front and a bunk like this in the back. They have like a single bunk instead of like the two. Yep. They just yep. have one bed that goes up and down. 
Um, so you save some money there and you're able to haul stuff in the back of your truck. I really like this as like your medium, the 30 foot okay. range, like an Andy's trailer or this trailer. Yeah. Cause truly like Andy's trailer is probably harder to get into places than this would be. Yeah. Because of the, because of the Bump. fifth wheel. Yeah. Yeah. His was a bumper pole. This one, I pulled a lot of fifth wheels back when my family did, you know, when we did a lot of horses and rodeo stuff. Yeah. So I'm used to that. And yeah. obviously once you drive one, you realize it's a million times better. Yeah. Um, but I guess for guys that have a half ton truck, yeah. obviously you kind of have to factor that in. Yeah. So the half ton guys that want the biggest trailer for their buck without, you know, it's going to be a 27 foot Genesis Eclipse or, um, everybody every brand makes like a 27 foot and that's pretty much the biggest trailer you can get with a half ton and get away with what are some of the smaller ones like the kind of they look about the size of a jeep they're oh, kind of just the they're, like the they're not pups. full amenities but yeah. yeah so there's a trailer called the wolf pup and i mean you can haul that thing with a uh, minivan so it's really light you guys sell those yeah, we sell them up in our Flagstaff lot, carries them. Okay. And they're just really simple. They hold a single quad, a back door with a single quad, and, like, it has, like, two beds in it. Yep. A small refrigerator and kind of just the basics that you need. Yep. And that's even, uh, that entry point is, like, way less than, like, a standard size toy hauler. Yeah. The price point there. So you're gonna save a ton of money, and then if you decide okay. that's me to uh, you want to upgrade, yeah. then it's not that big of a deal to trade it in and upgrade to something different later on. That's why I always kind of tell people the average RV owner keeps their RV for two to three years before they trade, or uh, yeah, before they trade it in and get a different one. How quickly are people coming in and kind of just saying, "I just want to." get this you know entry level one like are those people kind of like with bows a lot of people that get into archery for the first time they just want something that's cheap and that they can afford and i kind of say well i know it doesn't seem like a lot now but a few you know if, if you can pay a little bit more now it's mm -hmm. gonna it's actually gonna last you a lot longer than what you recognize because it yeah. seems like that entry level um for a lot of people is a short window once they start to understand how to use it and they get their eyes opened on like why that was a $150 bow and why this other one's $400. Does yeah, so that happen pretty fast when people come in on the entry level stuff? They're yeah. like, I need to, I need to move up. Happens all the time. People buy something because of the price and then they decide they love it and then they they're back in a couple of months or a year within a year and they're trading it for a fifth wheel or a bigger bumper pull or i mean usually when somebody buys a new truck so say a guy has a half ton he bought a 27 footer yep he buys a diesel truck you'll, you'll usually see that guy within two weeks of him buying a truck <laughs> he's usually looking at trailers while he's buying his truck oh because they're already thinking like i got a diesel i can pull a fifth wheel now like, yeah i'm buying a fifth wheel yeah so, um that happens a lot.
What do you think, if people are looking to do this, what are some of the definite things that they should research? Um, things that make or break certain brands? Um, like, for example, on bows, I'll tell someone flat out, don't don't skimp on a sight if it's plastic. You know, don't skimp on an, on an arrow rest if it's plastic. And then they're like, okay, well, I didn't do that, but I think I could maybe get something a little bit better what do you think and i'm like a site with micro adjustment is like you're going to appreciate it once you're trying to move your windage a little bit yeah and not like lose elevation at the same time you know what i mean like yeah. when you have the kind of the dovetail pinch down type sites um so like those types of things or people that have bought plastic releases or releases with no sear in them where it's just this massive travel where they start to get target anticipation people that buy arrows that don't have good straightness values but yeah. they're cheaper by the dozen type yeah. thing um what are if you were to name five what would they be to really help people make the right decision i think that they need to know what they're going to be using it for because if they are using it for like some really gnarly off-road conditions then maybe they want to buy a nicer, instead of the cheaper trailer, a nicer one. Mm -hmm. It's because the trailers are really, the components of a trailer, they're all the same between trailer and trailer. The difference is who puts them together and how well they put them together. Okay. So that's where you're going to, the pricier trailers are put together a little bit better. Yep. Um, so definitely, what's the mission? What are they using it for? Um, what stuff do they have to haul? What are they looking to get inside the trailer? All those things, and like, how many people are you? Do you need to sleep? Do you need like? Do you have a family of four kids and two adults? It's gonna be a lot different than what your needs are, you know? Yeah. When I the very first time I hunted with Dave, he told me that he had. I thought he said the axle flipped. Yeah, flipped um, axles, yeah. Is that standard out here so that you yeah. have more ground clearance for when you're taking it into the backcountry? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, they started uh, denying warranties on trailers with flipped axles. Okay. Unless they're installed at the factory. So any trailer that needs flipped axles, fifth wheel-wise... We have we have them shipped directly. Okay. Flipped axles, so that's not even an issue anymore. Have they? Ch is there a reason the clearance is like? Is it adequate most of the time? Yeah, like for you, this trailer right here, you could probably take it in this a lot seems worse. Seems like it's as high as what my front axles on my truck's gonna clear anyway. Yeah, like you're gonna be able to go some places that you don't think you'll be able to go. <laughs> okay. You probably don't want to go there, <laughs> but if you had to, you could. Yeah. Getting one of these suckers stuck somewhere funky wouldn't be on the top of my list. Oh, no. That's trailer getting stuck is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's You got a whole new slew of problems. Because the trailer, when you're in mud or sand, it acts as an anchor behind your truck. Okay. So, like, the tires don't float over. They, like, dig okay. huge trenches. Good to know. Yeah. So, if you see some mud... You gotta go fast. <laughs> <laughs> Just gun it. Cross gun your it. fingers. Cross your fingers. Yeah, th I mean these are, but 
these things are not for those applications but like i had said there are options for those smaller pull behinds where they're not full of amenities and microwaves and refrigerators or whatever you yeah. know it's more of you have a better shelter than what you if you're in a tent yeah so genesis is actually coming out with a like whole new hybrid kind of a trailer it's a it's going to be like a f if you can imagine like a flatbed mm -hmm. and then on the front of the flatbed there's like a one bedroom that has like a bed um i don't even think they're going to put a fridge in it just really basic to have an awning on it a bed an exhaust fan um maybe a bathroom we'll have a bathroom but that's it just super low-key and it, it's going to be a price point so people can get into something pretty inexpensive yeah because there's a lot of people that like some of these trailers are you know starting at 25 to 35 and they're like hey i got like 14 yeah. don't want to buy a piece of crap on the side of the road but yeah so this would get them into that world and be able to tow stuff around it yeah what uh what are some of the spots that you feel like you've gone and hunted where campers are just super practical you said you go to colorado yeah. quite a bit so last year in colorado we uh picked a spot just on google earth yeah like where can we camp at and feel like we can be pretty close to the hunting grounds and we just picked this uh rock pile pit <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're like hey that should be flat in there somewhere <laughs> that looks like a cool rock pile pit yeah so we uh we camped there and we're able to walk from camp to go hunt we didn't know that is where we're gonna be hunting at cause yeah we hadn't done any scouting but we camped there the first night next morning we're out scouting and we realized we're right in the middle of the action right here <laughs> and we got lucky but you know we brought a we actually double pulled okay we, so we had a the fifth wheel and then we called a, a flatbed trailer behind it so that way if we weren't in the zone yeah the hunting zone we could just haul a truck with the with the flatbed a new spot with a t you know a four oh, seater nice and you can bomb out with that yep well what is going to be on your a list this coming year for hunting oh it's definitely uh alberta with you guys <laughs> it's gonna be so fun yeah. i love it up there dude i'm super excited you know what's cool about it is I feel like I can go to that hunt a little bit unprepared physically and it's perfect preparation leading into September. That's what I like about our Alberta is it it kind of looks at least where I hunt it looks relatively flat yeah. until you bomb into the rivers <laughs> and it's like I don't know it's nice because in the morning the elk are all kind of going down in there so yeah especially on day three or four where things are your hammies are a little tight and your hip yeah. flexors are smoked you're kind of warming up by going downhill oh there you and go and you're like you know oh yeah i'm just chasing elk and stuff and then all of a sudden it's time to hike out lunchtime and you're realizing oh yeah okay how far are we away three miles and then you realize oh. straight up <laughs> yeah it's just like that and it's that last half a mile where it just like really kind of 
has this lip yeah. where it's just thick and and it goes and the footing sucks but um it's a fun hunt to prep you for the rest of the year yeah and honestly what i really like about it too is the bull you're i know going in that i'm not going there to see it like what people here would say a trophy bull i'm super happy with any legal bull up there yeah. now i've shot bulls up to you know i've shot bulls um in the 300 class up there but i've also shot bulls with only one side that's legal you know they mm-hmm. have to have three points on a side i believe um and i just i really feel like when i go there i'm it's all about just like learning to be a hunter again learning cool. to be an elk hunter again blowing you know blowing a call and probably having a a bad call or two come out and trying to kind of figure out that middle ground of, did I call too much? Should I have, should I have called more? Like you're trying to weigh these scenarios out. Uh, but it's a good time. It's like the perfect polishing hunt. Yeah. Now on the spot and stock side for the muleys, it'll, it'll test you because the muley hunting, um, Although sometimes if they're in the right spot and you see them bed down, uh, it can be good. But at the same time, ha- having the ability to really stay on on your belly and stay underneath that canola and maneuver through some of that shot and be able to, you know, wait for the exact right shot based on having clear visual to the vitals sometimes that can be a real challenge yeah um getting close enough without them hearing you especially when they're in the bachelor groups and there's three or four bucks in the group and you're trying to get in really really tight it can get a lot more eyes yeah it can get tough but once again it's like if you can go there and kill a kill a bull and then if you're lucky enough to shoot a whitetail or a muley it's like okay you know we're full speed ahead for hunting season right now yeah going. it's like the end of august right so it's like first hunt warmer it's a warm-up hunt right yeah for yeah. me it is and it's, it's nice to have a warm-up. hunt that you don't have to be like a a snob about like you know antler you just out there having fun from it's one of those things I've i've actually had some locals say to me like that's why we don't have trophies up here anymore because you know you you guys like you come up here from from the states and shoot these things before they are you know are fully mature and stuff and honestly i don't really care if a deer's 150 or 160 it's like if i see this stock that's a very very challenging stock to make happen or if i'm out covering that ground in crown land or public land covering ground to chase elk and i'm there at the end of august fighting mosquitoes and early rain and hot and having to cover a lot of ground and have a bull answer back and do all the things right and get a bull on the ground the last week of august dude i'm I'm like thrilled. Yeah, it doesn't, cool. you know, I still feel the same on a raghorn bull 
I'm just as pumped shooting a raghorn bull that opening week there as I am shooting the biggest bull of my life in Utah a month later. Yeah. Like, it to me, they were both... Honestly, I probably would talk more around a campfire about the smaller one in Alberta because the elements sucked and I was there with really, really close friends that struggled through that time with me. Um, whereas it was kind of just a picture perfect elk hunt when I was in Utah. And even though it was arguably the biggest bull I ever shot, probably net score wise, if I was into that, I still like that. I still like going out there, setting up that camper, coming home at night, being a little bit tired, one guy being in charge of getting the fire going, one guy being in charge of getting some meat prepped, and then one guy being in charge of having the grill going, and yeah. someone's you know someone's mixing drinks for everybody, and then kind of barely staying awake while you're getting your <laughs> getting your dinner put away, and you know just that alarm going off, and you feel like it had only been minutes, but yeah. it had been you know five six hours. I just love that. Yeah. I mean, and that's... That Killing's only, like, 2% of it, For right? me, it really is. You know, and to go there and have, like... To be there that first time that Andy ever hunted was unreal cool. for me. Um, I'll feel that same way with you. Um, doing a... When I was up in bear camp with a, several of my buddies this year, and several of them had got their bears for the first time, that was just unreal like for to just see how it changes them it's so rewarding and now um you know in september if all things go as planned i'll get to take jocko on his first elk hunt um and hopefully i'll be able to be next to him when he's you know when he makes that first shot i'm gonna try to get i'm gonna try to not have a tag so that i can be there with him so, yeah. you know we we both have tags, but I, I kind of want to, I might make an early trip just so I can ta tag out for the week that he can go so I can just be there to watch. Cause I just, I love that. I mean, That's it's cool. just like so rewarding to see that and so rewarding to, to see how archery and bow hunting changes people's lives really. Yeah. Totally. What, um, where did you start from a hunt, like from a bow hunting aspect? Did you, did your grandpa do bows too? No, or? he just, uh, my cousin, my cousin Brent did bows and I got back when I was 23 and I was wanting to get into hunting. My father-in-law is huge into bows and if you want to hunt elk during that time, you had to shoot a bow. Yeah. Like if you're going to hunt elk on a consistent basis. Yeah. What part of Arizona were you in? Um, like what unit? Seven East. I hunted a couple times. It's okay. up by Flagstaff. And okay. The peaks. Yep. Um, and I I had two tags there, and then I decided to put it put in for a good unit, and I've gotten <laughs> stuck for a while. Yeah, it's a it's murderous here if you want to tag as a resident. Oh yeah. It's Unless tough. you got a lot of buddies that'll throw you in on their point pool. Yeah. So. I should get a tag next three years. <laughs> next three years. That sucks to say that. <laughs> My brother, I mean, he's never had an elk tag his whole life. What? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, no, I lie. He had a cow tag when he was 12. And he has 18 points now. 
Oh my gosh. So he's 30 years old. He's been on one elk hunt when he was 12 and hasn't been since. Dude, people like that need to go to Alberta. Right? What the hell? I know. So, like, I hear about Alberta and, and you get to go it's out It's probably going to be very similar to what you experience in Colorado. I got several friends that love Colorado. I've never went. I'm yeah. probably dumb for not going. I'm just like, once I find a place where I knock on a few doors, meet a few people, really you know kind of create this relationship with the people i went with the first time i'm kind of old school that way i don't really like to leave so there's probably hunts out there that are i don't know if i can say better but like a different different experience that's equally cool and i'll never know because you know i kind of i've been hunting with i've been hunting up in that area since for like 15 years um up in Alberta. <sighs> Sorry, everyone. I got up at like 4 a.m. Uh, to finish a bow so I could get on my plane at 6 a.m. <laughs> like I was working on a bow at 4. Um, so I've really, I've been there 15. I've been to B.C. Um, 20, I think. Wow. Um, or right at 20. But those places are, I look forward to them. Like, I look forward to them constantly, every single time. No, I I think you're loyal to those guys, and that's there's something to be said about that. I'm loyal to loyal to people that are loyal to me. Yeah. I mean, well, it's two-way awesome. street all the time. Yeah. So, your buddy, your buddy got you into it? Um, actually, when I started dating my wife, her her father-in-law... <laughs> Okay. My father-in-law, her her dad, yeah. was really big into bow hunting, and so I I just got into it full. What shop did you guys go to back then? Um, there's Bear Mountain. It's still open. Maybe I'm, not. I don't know if I'm familiar with and that name. Archery Headquarters. That one I've heard. Yep. Um, so those are the two shops, and now there's a couple more, but yeah, yeah, the. So my father-in-law was... What was your first bow? Kodiak. Outdoors. <laughs> I think it was a bear Kodiak. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. My father-in-law was part of, like, some bow company. Oh, it's, really? It was called Kodiak Outdoors, KO. But they didn't... Oh. They weren't in business that long. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your first one? That was my first bow. Do you have it still? I gave it to my brother. I said, here you go. You can have it. Have you looked at it in a while to be like, oh my god, I shot that thing? Oh, dude, I I had to get a new bow because it sounded like we called it the shotgun. Because <laughs> when I shot it, everybody thought like a gun went off. <laughs> That's what the old Oneidas <laughs> sounded like. Yeah. When that thing would go, like everyone in the range would just look over, thinking someone dry fired a bow, and it, <laughs> and it wasn't. There was uh there's there were notoriously there was. Well, I'm trying to think when it was. Mid to late 90s, there was this wave of bows that had a noise that hmm. resembled a 22 handgun <laughs> or or possibly a full dry fire. Full dry fire. When, was, when did you get your first one? It was like probably 01. Oh, let's see. You've been, right, yeah. been right in that mix. And I promise you I got a handy down one. So yeah. it was probably years old. There, you were right in that, yeah. right in the slap zone. Slap zone, man. <laughs> These things were loud. <laughs> like, people are scared to hunt with me because it's so loud. <laughs> they're worried they're going to get, you know, 
I had to shoot. I remember one time I went to the Vegas tournament, and I got to the tournament and realized I didn't sign up for it. Like, this is... I talk about my brain fart moments. Yeah. Like, forgetting to set my sight is small potatoes compared to some things I've done. I've showed up at shoots and, like, went to get my card and realized I never even signed up to be there. And I'm, like, you know, 2,000 miles from home. And I'm, like, uh, is there a late registration? And then, yeah. you know, break out my big smiley teeth and, like, try to get on. But, uh, yeah, I've I've had to um, – I've had to pull those maneuvers a few times. Um, trying to think where I was going with this story. I, g- I got sidetracked with one of my brain farts. What was I talking about right before that? I don't know. I had a brain fart, too. <laughs> Folks, yeah. I don't know if it's from possible dehydration. We've drank five bottles of water. It's 103 degrees. I haven't drank anything, by the way. So don't yeah. accuse me of that. I'd be sharp as a tack right now if that was the case. If we weren't dehydrated? Yeah. Yeah, I, I offered to go get you a drink, too. No. Good thing I didn't, because you'd be more dehydrated. Mm, that's arguable. <laughs> arguable. <laughs> I, think some, I think some people's body have the, the ability to, to pull in alcohol, separate the hydration portion of it, and still use the alcohol, but evaporate the dehydration portion that's where you come in that's where i come in it works with alcohol coffee and green tea i can you can hydrate with i can drink them without dehydration sweet yeah i i at least that's what i'm gonna believe that's what i am with diet coke (laughs) diet cokes like there's a reason why i don't drink (laughs) if you saw how many diet coke i drank you'd be like you shouldn't drink because you just feel like there's got to be 90% of this has water as a base. Yeah, it's like what I always tell people like listen, what's uh what is 95 what is the huge ingredient of diet coke? And uh, like, uh, water? they're like, uh, I don't know, like syrup. I was like, no, p- filtered water. <laughs> they're like, shut up. I'm like, no, it's 95% water. Well, so you got this bow. Did you get any? Have you had any training? No, I just my father-in-law in the backyard, like, you know. And then I bought your release on, and. Uh, so wait, there was this. So we went from early 2000 yeah. to 2017. So you have to understand no. that <laughs> I. So, let's see. About I 10 guess. years ago. I went on my last archery hunt. Is that when you started to grow your beard? Uh, probably. Okay. No. So, as a Colorado yep. archery deer, and I killed a buck with the shotgun bow. That actually like had a weird experience. With the shotgun bow? Yeah. Okay. With, with my old bow before I let it go to what, pasture. What era? I, I want to go back. Like, what was your release? Um, It was a itty-bitty Scott. The mini goose? Mini goose, Okay, yeah. cool. And what arrow? It was an Easton carbon fiber Easton speed arrow. Light speed? Yeah. Somewhere. Okay, so you had the is a piece slap of rocket with the lightest arrow on the market. Yes. And just to enha- enhance the vibration enhanced, and the sound. Yes. Did it sound like a donkey kicked you with a tuning fork? When yeah. It, <laughs> it was like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I had this, uh, I had this rest 
that was like uh, tied to the uh, cables. Yeah. Maybe like an like an original trophy taker. Something similar, yeah. but something happened to the rest on the hunt, and that thing wouldn't come down. The uh, the launcher blade. Yeah, it wouldn't come down. And I shot out this buck. It's like a sounds like a trophy taker. 160 when bucks. Freeze up. And I a shot. I was only 30 yards from this deer, and I was like, "Oh, this thing's dead." And I shot, and I just did, everything came apart. The whole bow came apart. I'm like looking around, the arrows broken in half on the ground. I'm like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I still this day have no idea what happened. But I was like, "Dude, I gotta go buy a new bow." Like the strings are off a of bow, but I took a ratchet strap as my bow press, right? Hooked it on, got the string back on. It worked. <laughs> Oh my god. I ended up shooting a deer that night with it. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I probably shouldn't have. I sh- should have researched. I I think the the launcher blade had something to do with it. I don't when know. When was this? It's like 2010 ish. Yeah. Dude, you're not doing much research from like a mountain back then. No. It's not like you're throwing up so, you know safari out of your pocket and doing some research on no should i be stringing this bow up yeah um i want to go back one so where did you do your um your mission oh i went to santiago chile <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> what was that like oh it was it was awesome they uh let's see there's no ac it was just hot all the time hot yeah. all the time it's either hot Were you there or cold two years then yeah, so it's summer and then the winter's really cold, so um it's tough. The first six months I had no idea what they were saying to me. <laughs> they're like they talk so different than the rest of the Spanish world that Yeah. When I went there I was like I just learned Spanish for two months, so I was like thought I was all ready to rock and <laughs> I didn't understand anything. What, like could you speak somewhat decent? I could speak. I just couldn't understand them because so they talked so fast and they had like they mumbled a lot. And could they understand you? Sometimes. <laughs> 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 no, but like at about six months, between six months, at six months you start to understand them. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, you pick up like three months in, you're picking up words. You're like, okay, I got some words here. <laughs> Juggling a few words. Yeah, and then four or five months, you're like, okay, I can, I know where the conversation is going. <laughs> Were there a bunch of you sitting in your cots at night, like with the lights off, saying, so today this guy tells me, what the hell does that mean? Like, were you guys kind of consolidating thoughts at night, like telling stories about oh, definitely. your struggles? Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of laughs? Oh, yeah. Was, I bet it's hard to replicate, like, how those conversations went yeah that's the worst when you have these conversations where you laugh so hard that you know you feel like you're gonna break some organ yeah and then you try to tell someone how it went down the next day and it's It's you get halfway through and you're you're like you know what never mind i'm I'm gonna stop yeah we're gonna talk about the new (laughs) yeah let's make our own funny yeah i'm never gonna make this work i love those trips Sometimes I feel like once you're in sheer exhaustion, you just oh yeah like 
someone can tell you a knock knock joke and you just come unglued because you're, you're mentally just drained i agree man i i think so um for those of you coming out to the total archery challenge in salt lake uh brock's gonna be there he's gonna come up and shoot it's too bad you can't find that old bow, dude. It'd be sweet oh. to have that thing for, like, the starting cannon. Starting cannon. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Like, once everyone's on the mountain, you just get up there with a flaming arrow and just pow, just let that thing rip. At a whole, like, 180 feet per second. <laughs> I know. <laughs> dude, I had I had uh, Barklow and Jay and Caleb over last week. And we were kind of just talking about just old stuff and, I don't know, old designs. So I took – I've got um, a Matthews that's like – I think it's like with within the first 500 ever made. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I think the serial number is like 500. Wow. And I, like, got it out and, like, held them like – this is where Matthew started, and they're just like, what? what is that? What? Yeah, what? Is I'm that... like, yeah, dude. Imagine, like, trying to call a dealership, sell this thing over the phone, COD. <laughs> yeah. You've got one wheel on it. Like, there's one wheel on it. Every other boat, like, we went from no wheels to two wheels. Well, you kind of went from no wheels to, like, four wheels. Yeah. Then to two wheels, and then, like, people are accepting it. Things are going good in the compound bow world, you know. Yeah. Then you put one wheel on it, and people start looking at you like, what are you talking about? What are you doing here? <laughs> and on? I got to pay for this up front? Yeah. I have to pay for it, like, when the guy shows up? And yeah, there's like, no trial yeah. run. You're like, yes. Yes. <laughs> How many would you like? <laughs> yeah. You want 20 or? Yeah. I was going to send 22, but today. 20. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give you 25 because <laughs> I like you. I'm going to throw in two left-handed color bows just because I can I can tell we're buddies. <laughs> left-handed color bows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're getting into the, like the half of percent. The half a percent of bow hunter. Yeah. That people. would be like these guys calling you and saying, hey. We've got a 57-footer <laughs> in canary yellow. You're like all in. All the doors are on the front. Right? <laughs> they're, they're all, the, all the doors are on the front, so you can go out of your truck right into the camper. It's like you walk right to the back of your truck, you back just, and forth. Yeah, you just go right through. Like when you're driving... Your kids can go out of your <laughs> rear window and get, get into your trailer. How many do you want? By the way, it, it's a hundred grand. You got to pay when it, when yeah. it arrives. We only take actually hundreds. you have to pay right now. Yeah, <laughs> actually, yep. Send a check now. We'll ship it when it gets done. Yeah, can you send a cashier's check or a money order? Yeah, and we will send it as soon as that we receive that. <laughs> That's that, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. What? What was like your go-to car when you when you were selling flipping oh, cars? Oh man, Chevy Tahoe, half ton Silverado. Really? Oh dude, like if you got so Mexico, <laughs> let's has a, this. a rule that people like people are like, what the hell? I thought this was knock on archery podcast, right? Now we're talking about sometimes we have to go down rat holes, people. Yeah. So 
Mexico has this importation law that you can't import a car uh, younger than 10 years old. It has to be 10 years or older. Okay. So, like, right now, like, 2008s, 9s can get imported down to Mexico. And they're a hot item. Oh, yeah. Chevy Tahoe, Chevy, you know, half-ton pickup. And you pick up those, you can sell them really fast. If you get them for the right deal, you get them right deal, you buy them all day. You okay. can sell them all day long. But I'm glad I'm not in that world anymore. Are you going to be on, a, like, a radio commercial where it's like, hey, Des Moines. Des Moines. <laughs> I, yeah. Brock is coming to your town <laughs> to teach you how to make money. Absolutely not. You're not going to be that guy? No, never, man. I, I, I would never do that. Do you think... Have you shot bows with Andy? No, I have not. You I've haven't killed coyotes and deer with him. But How, where do you think you rate in archery from a zero to a ten for like skill skill level? Four to five. Four to five. Yeah, I I need to get. What are you missing? What do you think your missing link is? Practice. Just doing it do you th- do you like look at enough stuff or you feel like you know what you need to do you just don't do it yeah i i definitely know like anchor points and stance and i just need to go practice it and get my grooves dialed in and do you legitimately like to shoot do you yeah. like to practice with your bow i was telling so my brother was going through some really hard times and i was trying to explain to him like hey archery is like therapeutic yeah I think it calms me. Like, I have a lot of anxiety. And... Like when you know tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of people are listening to you right now? Yeah, it's good. And they're making judgment calls? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, just, you, you just tightened up. You're like, <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> I I have a lot of anxiety. And that was just coaching, by the way. Thanks, man. Yeah. I, I just helped you. Appreciate it. That's part of acclimation. Acclimation. The next time I tell you that, you're probably gonna deal with it easier yeah there's tens and tens and tens of thousands of people listening to this right now does that bother you no see that's all right that's what that's what i'm talking about there you go okay so what's your therapeutic side of archery it's just shooting just you know like there's something to be said it's it's quiet usually and when i shoot it's probably in the morning and <laughs> usually not when you gave him your old bow, dude. No, <laughs> it's you don't not quiet. It's not quiet. So, <laughs> but this newer bow will be quiet. What do you What do you have now? I I can't say that. You can say whatever you want, dude. Well, in I don't care what people shoot. I just okay. I'm glad people shoot. Well, I shoot a prime. Okay. But What's wrong with that? Nothing. My buddy Remy shoots a prime. He loves it. We're podcasting. One of these really cool dudes just came in to say hi. <laughs> so I'm uh I'm actually gonna go get a Hoyt though, so I can be I can't go to Alberta with the Prime. You can go with whatever you want. I just don't wanna listen, I understand that Prime makes a good bow. I I'm not gonna have Andy making fun of me and everyone else making fun of me because I'm shooting Prime. No one will make fun of you. I doubt that. And by the way, if we're in Alberta, there's better people to make fun of. <laughs> I won't say his name now, but there's one person to where 
He trumps all. He trumps all, and not because he needs, not because there's actually reason to make fun of him, just because if you say something to him, I've never seen someone that oblivious or like unscathed by like another person's comment. Really? He's just like, <laughs> I mean, you can just burn him down, and he'll be like. Good one, Dudley. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> that that's it. Hey, I and love guys like, like and that. And he know and he knows the next day that it's nothing personal. Um, but yeah, no one's gonna make fun of you. Andy might. Yeah. But that's just Andy. The main thing is, well, actually, you're gonna have to get a white now because he's he's probably listening to this, and now that he knows, I have to get a white, dude. Yeah, now that he knows that that's worrying you. Yeah. I think as soon as you take that out of the case, he's going to be on you. You can't show him a weakness like that, dude. Uh, if you he, he like, if he sees a drop of blood on the ground, yeah, he, I I went and bought a new pack too. I saw that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm I like, just went to get this podcast gear and I saw a new pack in your back of your truck. Yeah, I'm like, I ain't gonna have. I'm gonna go on this hunt with all six. What'd you stuff. get? Is that a four thousand hauler? Sixty-two hundred, dude. Yeah. <laughs> So you're going to pack mine and Andy's stuff in for us? Whatever the hell you want, man. Yes. Like, I like to call myself, like, I'll get to where everyone else is going. I just might get there a little slower, but I'll get there. There's nothing wrong with that. So I'm actually not a... Nah, that's a lie. I was going to say I'm not that fast. I don't feel like I'm that fast. I'm just... I kind of have a continual pace. Well, you have long legs. They're, and They're long. Plus, you, you're hiking all the time. And well, I do it enough to uh, I do it enough to try to be able to go on something and be capable. Yeah. You know, I don't. I'm not like a a training nut. I just really like to train for the purpose of always being ready to hunt. And some of the stuff that I do, um, like some of my kettlebell stuff and the steel may stuff some of them are movements where my 20 year old self would have been like I'm not going to build my guns doing that bro yeah. you know but i can tell you when i was down in hawaii and you're having to be flat to the ground crawling for over the course of days miles like miles flat to the ground doing a bear crawl mm. people don't realize that if you haven't done that your hip flexors and your i don't know like your forearm muscles and your lower back you know your actual your core muscles from just being able to like pull your knee up to your side as you're crawling yeah some people just can't do that because they don't do practicality movements so i feel like for me, anyway, I get more out of, uh, like, that assault bike. Like, there's days where, um, and this morning was one of them. <clears throat> I didn't have much time to work out, but I went out and I did five full minutes on my assault bike with only my upper body. Oh, there you go. So I just took my feet off the, I got the pedals moving so I could get it going. But then I put my feet on the pegs and I just, just pedaled the whole bike with my arms and you know it gets to the point where you know you're not 
you can just push with your tricep and pull with your bicep if that's like what you want but you can also get to the point where you're like almost like turning and twisting yeah and you're pulling with your shoulder and you're driving kind of with your almost with your opposite hip and you're turning your abs and like that sort of thing for the practicality of having to be low and having to crawl that stuff serves a huge purpose in the field so for me I'd rather just do some of those things, maybe not be the fastest one there, but I want to be able to just hunt every day that I'm at a, at a hunt. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to be able to, uh, I want to be able to get up every morning and hunt till dark every night. You know, if, if I get a break, it's because I'm processing an animal following a day of a kill. Like, you know, in in that case, I'm like kind of resting, but, I just, it would be a nightmare for me to go somewhere and invest the time to be somewhere and then not be able to do it because I can't physically make it. But having that pace isn't bad. And I've talked to, uh, I mean, you say you're a big guy to me. I don't think you're, I don't think you're a big guy. I think you're like average. I don't think you're like, I don't think, I definitely don't think you're like overweight or bulky. I mean, I think, I think you're a burly guy. Yeah. It's just what you are. <clears throat> but I just tell people like if you feel like you don't know where to start, just put a heavy backpack on and I said they're like, "Well, how what should my minute per mile be?" And I I actually just told a guy this um last week on Instagram. He's a bigger guy. He's lost a lot of weight, but he's still very very big. And he's like I don't I just don't know how I can get these like times that people are doing per mile and I'm like, dude, I never worry about running uh, you know a 6 minute mile, 7 minute mile, 8 minute mile. All I want to do is I want to be able to continually go for 40 minutes with like with this weight on my back and I just go and I go at a pace where I'm comfortable. I'm not having to stop, but I can be continual and at a continual to at a rate where at the end I'm going to feel like like I had a good workout I you know had a sweat and stuff like that and then I'll take note of how far I went that day and after doing it a few times where I'm you know where at first you're going to be sore three days in you're going to be the sorest if you do something new after that first initial kind of soreness wears off on something new like this like say you start working out for the first time on a Monday by Wednesday, you're going to feel some sore aches and pains. and you, But you need to kind of at least try to keep that pace. Make sure you still go because going is going to loosen things back up by that fourth and fifth day. And then by the time that fifth day comes around, what I do is I look at, okay, at the start of this week, I went for 40 minutes and I made it this far. And I'm like, I just want to beat that. Sometimes when I was running at my house, um, probably three or four years ago, there's if I if I leave my house and go right to the first road, hit that road, go right, hit the ne- the next road, go right, just make yeah. this make this perfect square. It's like 5.0 miles to wow. my mailbox, like point to point. And several summers ago, almost every other morning. I'm not like a really long distance guy. I feel like five, five miles continually is kind of a max for me. 
two to three miles is ideal for not having like shin splints at least at me at my size and my weight i feel like if i am running and i can get in two to three miles <clears throat> i feel like i'm doing a good job of having like runner's lungs yeah at least for my application but several years ago i remember doing this five mile square and i would do it a lot like i think i would get up and just run it in the morning yeah and i remember i would run it one way for a week and i would get to the point where i felt like i was getting used to it and then i would just turn around and the next day go left mm. and do it the opposite way and it'd be like holy crap this is harder yeah even though even though those hills are kind of still there, they're just there in a different order, and it yeah. got hard again. So I'd do that for a little while, and then it just got to the point where I knew a lot of times I run in the summer when I don't have to worry about ice and the roads because we have gravel in Iowa. I don't want to worry about, like, rolling an ankle or anything like that. Um, so I try to run when the gravel's in good condition, and I know it's safe for yeah. me to be out there running. Um but I remember doing that. So then fast forward a year later, and I remember going out and trying to – I thought to myself, I, I'm not – I know I haven't run enough in a while to where I'm going to do this five-mile loop. But what I'll do is I'm going to run to the halfway point. Or I was going to run a quarter of the way and run back. Mm. And I did that, and I felt like – I felt like – more tired than when I ran the whole thing. Really? So then I had to just do that, you know, go a quarter of the way and back, quarter of the way and back. And then after a few days, like, okay, now I'm going to go to the halfway. So I ran to that halfway point. I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel bad, but I definitely need to rest. So I kind of rested the whole rest of that straightaway until I hit that next road. And then I was able to finish up. And I might have stopped once or twice. Yeah. But then all I did was each time I'd say, okay, yesterday I stopped three times for a 20-second rest. Today, if I stop three times, they're 10 seconds each, or I can just stop twice. But I just tried to tick one thing off each time, and it seemed like it worked really progressive. Now, this year, I ran a mile down, and I felt like, man, that was tough. So I kind of feel like I made some regression, but in the same sense, I know that physically, like I feel like I'm bulkier. So Harding's running is just harder on me. Yeah. So I just did what I could. I'm like, okay, I did a mile. I did it in this time. So if that's all I'm going to do is just that mile and back, I'm just going to try to beat it by a second, beat it by, you know, but I can't be worse than I was yesterday. I just need to be better. Even if it's by a second. Just do the same thing with that pack. Put a pack on, put some weight in it. Yeah. And whether it's you saying, okay, I decided to go for 20 minutes continuous. This is how far I am. The next day, you should either say, I'm going to do it for 21 minutes or I'm going to do it a tenth of a mile or a half mile more than what I did yesterday and just try to pick up the pace or slightly pick up the distance. But don't worry about, like, don't worry about these tables of I have to have a seven-minute mile. I have to have an eight-minute mile. It's like just improve every day. Yeah. Improve on one thing or another, whether it's time or distance. And plus, I think that, like, hiking off trail is a lot different than, like, running on the road. Oh, yeah. 
my boy runs every day. He runs 15 mile. Well, he doesn't run 15 mile. I think he said he's running. Might be wrong. I thought I thought he said he's running somewhere around 60 a week. Wow. He's gonna work up to. But I think either last week or this week he did a 12, a nine, or maybe this week he's doing it. I listen, people. I don't know. It's somewhere over nine from 9 to 15 somewhere in there he's going to have a big run day and so he's this is like the level that he's running and it's solid well where they're running in town a lot of times when the guys run they run on our main trail through town because it one it's safe they're not dodging traffic but they're able to run side by side and stuff so when he came home for his break um he's like i need to run but kind of short on time i don't know if i really want to go into town and i'm like just run from here and i told i'm like how far do you have to go and he said i think i have to do five today so i told him like leave the driveway five miles all the way around i kind of told him you know here's the route you go and he's like okay and then he left and he got back about 10 minutes sooner than i thought Hmm. and he was just like wiped and i'm like i said that's a tough run isn't it and he's like I haven't done any hills yet this year. He's like, dude, I didn't make it all the way. Just having, you know, and they're not like mountains, but just having some, Elevation. you know, little risers, you know, little whoop de doos in the yeah. road just completely change it for someone that's totally seasoned. Yeah. So that's why I'm a big advocate of if you don't want to plateau at something, just cha- continually change the smallest thing. Yeah, I agree with that. So... All right, everybody, I'm going to shut this podcast down. This was a fun podcast. I thought it'd be cool to have you guys. Um, there's certain things I'm really passionate about, and you guys are obviously obviously passionate about what you do in the RV world. I knew nothing about it. All I wanted is someone I could trust. Yeah. Like I just wanted someone where I could be like, hey, man, and I, did I tell you anything other than like I don't like these colors like no you're super easy to deal with and um you kind of let me pick out the trailer for you yep i said here's what i need to do it can't be so big that i can't go to this but it needs big enough to or it needs to be small enough to where i can maneuver in this yeah here's how many people are going to be in there kind of you know here's the price range um i mean if people is there a certain is there one person better than another for someone to call to ask those questions? No. If you call so we really prided ourselves on making sure that all the lots you feel like you get the similar experience regardless. Yep. And really all if someone were to call in, they would talk to uh it's gonna get up the chain of command and we'll probably end up somewhere where Brad will look at it or even I'll look at yeah. it because it's going to be custom order or something or so you have a somebody calls in said they heard something from Dudley's podcast and it's going to go up the chain of command and then we'll uh what's the phone number you want people to call oh they can call 480-252-2237 that's our Mesa lot okay and they'll they're fine here and they're fine at the west lot Flagstaff lot like they're all they're all good and we try to just be the same we try to be different than every other dealership we want a different feel because when somebody 
comes in, they expect to get screwed at dealership. That's just like the <laughs> expectation. My expectations, you're gonna screw me. Yeah. So like we just try to break everyone's, you know, the world. We're not here to screw you. We're here to help you. Yeah. So we don't. And then even when we give them numbers on a trailer, they're waiting for us to change the numbers because that's what they're used to. Yeah. Or they come to the signing table and they're like, okay, this is all the same numbers you gave me. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Because we want the signing day yeah, to be like well, a special day, right? Like yeah. You come here, you get the walkthrough, you get, you get like your someone teach you how to use the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And honestly, those are all the characteristics that Andy pledged for you, I'm you know, personally. Because I know you guys have you hunted together once or twice. Once, and then we went to the sand dunes once. Oh, that's right. You we went to the sand dunes, and then you went coos deer hunting yeah because i remember him texting me he's like you want to go coos deer hunting um next january and i'm like who's it with he's like this dude i met super cool just we're in the sand dunes so awesome i'm gonna get a trailer blah 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 and i'm like what's what kind of info did he give you on the hunt and he's like i don't know i just kind of let him do it I was just like, ah, we better let that play out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to Mexico to go hunting? Yeah. yeah. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, but then obviously after that trip, um, you guys were somewhere, weren't you? When Were you guys hunting when I was with Wes? Because I remember Andy texted me. You guys were out. I'm pretty sure you guys were out when I was with Wes. Hmm. Um on a late season deer hunt in Texas. I think was that like in mid January. Yeah. That's what that's I'm sure what you were there. I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure that's why Andy couldn't be with Wes and I. But uh yeah, he couldn't say enough about you and now coming down here and you know honestly sometimes in business when someone says they have a a business partner it's pretty rare you find business partners that their personalities are similar and they and they jive. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty rare. Yeah. Like Evan at Black Rifle and and Matt, like those guys are way way closer than I expected. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, well, yeah, this isn't just an image that's being put out there of like, you know, this is our thing. It's like, no, they're 100%, you know, I talked to Evan one night, you know, sometimes when you're at hunting camps, you get to these, get in these deep conversations. And I said something to Evan, like, you know, how's Matt, man? You know, I haven't got to see him much. And he's like, that guy, like he is the best partner I could ever have had. He's yeah. like, he will come to my aid anytime. If I tell him I need him, it's like, no question. The guy just freaking works, works harder than, than what I could have ever asked for. And it's just like, man, those are envious of that. It's hard to find that in business. It's super hard to find that. And the fact that he was saying that he really thought he was kind of gearing up to go his own way, but then, yeah, because that's what a lot of people do. That's what gets hard as a business owner, right? You train people and you, I know for me, I just want to treat employees well enough to where they, they really feel like this is a cool thing that they have and I want them to grow with with us as yeah. we grow. 
but yeah, it's get, they get to a point where they're like, I can do this on my own now, and you kind of, it's you know, if you've invested a lot, it's it's kind of like, wait, go, yeah, don't go, no. But uh. you guys seem like an awesome team, like super. Uh, right away after hanging out with you guys for a few hours, I'm like, I want to podcast with you guys. It's awesome. you guys need, you guys deserve. Even if one person out there says, you know, hey, I was looking for a trailer. If one person does it, like, yeah. I know that they're going to be treated right. And, I, you know, anything to help you guys out. I, I, love, I love healthy businesses. Love guys that are trying to get into the hunting world and help hunters and stuff. So I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, we definitely need more hunters out there. <laughs> definitely need that. Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah. But, uh, dude... We're going to be grilling in about an hour. All right, we better get rolling. All right, knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.